Hi, this is Asif. Welcome to another edition of Hello Educator. In this episode, we have uh, Rohan Chakravarti, the man behind the infamous Green Humor comics. Green Humor is a series of cartoons, comics, and illustrations on uh, nature and wildlife conservation, environment, and uh, all things green. Green Humor cartoons have appeared in Sanctuary Asia, Current Conservation, um, Na- National Geographic Traveler. They also periodically appear on Hindu, Pune Mirror, Midday, Go Comics, and several other places. In this episode, we talk about Rohan's work on conservation communication. Uh, fake news, some advice for nature educators and all things conservation. He has also um, answered some of our uh, fan questions. I can guarantee you will enjoy this episode with some hearty laugh. Without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Uh, Rohan, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you, Vasil. Thank you for having me on the show. You being one of the most famous uh, cartoonists in India, at least in our education circle, we definitely look up to your uh, cartoons on a daily basis. At least I personally go through your uh, Instagram. Um, yeah. So, uh, like, when did you realize that uh, you have a flair for uh, drawing? I don't. I actually don't know if I have a flair for drawing. I just enjoy it very much, and I've been drawing from a very uh, early age. Uh, I just thought that uh, you know, I just never thought that it could be something that I could do professionally. Until I was uh, already studying to be a dentist and, you know, it was frustrating the hell out of me. And I was actively looking for other career options. So that is when I realized that, you know, drawing that drawing is something that could be done professionally as well. I went on to, uh, to work as an animation designer and it was around that time that I uh, started honing the necessary skills for, uh, you know, being a professional cartoonist. And... It's sort of one thing leading to another. Okay, okay. Uh, so, uh, academically, in quotes, you are a qualified dentist. Uh, did you ever uh, wanted to be a dentist yeah, or... Yeah, qualification. Not qualification. <laughs> so, uh, so, did you ever really wanted to be a dentist or was it like the typical Mera Beta has to be a doctor, Mera Beta has to be an engineer? No, no, it wasn't really my parents forcing me to do the course. It was just, uh, see, I'm from a very small town, I'm from Nagpur where, you know, there isn't much information about uh, uh, alternative uh, careers and alternative uh, education. So, uh, I just happened to join the rat race because just because everybody else was doing it and I didn't have any sense of direction. It was, uh, I think that there is a huge flaw in the Indian education in education system of, you know, in, in expecting uh, kids to know what they exactly want to do at the age of 16 and 18, which is, you know, when we are the most clueless about our lives. So, uh, so yeah, uh, I think that's what led me to stray. But uh, I'm, I'm really glad that, uh, you know, I was in a very frustrating uh, educational institute and course because otherwise that learning would never have happened. The transition from you being a dentist to uh, you know getting into the field of graphic design, like how did how did your parents uh, take it? How did your family family members and uh, friends how did they perceive it? Were they supportive? Uh, how was the scene there? No, uh, my parents have always been very supportive of every uh, choice I made, even if they 
they thought that it was wrong. Uh, I think it was just me trying to, you know, find my feet uh, in one career choice after another. So I have fumbled a lot. Uh, but yeah, my parents have been very supportive through and through. Now that, you know, you, you have a flair for uh, art and illustrations and cartoons, um, there are a lot of uh, people doing cart- cartoons in different uh, aspects, uh, like be it political, right. political cartoons or, uh, you know, just a day in the life of a child or like, uh, be it Calvin and Hobbes or, uh, you know, there are different genres of uh, cartoons. Like, why did you choose uh, nature and wildlife uh, as a theme? So when this happened out of chance, uh, I was actually uh, dabbling in, you know, different areas and spheres as, as an artist, as a cartoonist. I was trying to, trying my hand at political cartoons. I drew about Bollywood, I drew, drew about social issues. But I really wasn't getting anywhere. And I wasn't really finding my feet as a cartoonist. Uh, then, I think this was around 2005 that I started the... Uh, volunteering for an organization called Kids for Tiger. This is an initiative and uh, that uh, volunteership required me to, uh, you know, educate myself and take school children out for bird watching and nature trails. So that was when I started reading about, reading up about wildlife, gathering information, reading books on wildlife, uh, watching a lot of films on wildlife. And then I realized that, you know, a, a lot of, uh, a lot of the science and the information around these matters is just jargon that, you know, does not really connect with a layman. I being a layman, I'm not a scientist. So, you know, for somebody like me to build a connection with a wild animal, you know, all this jargon needed to be broken down into something simple, something engaging and something creative. And uh, because I knew how to draw cartoons and, you know, the art and science behind it, I thought, why not have cartoons on, on, on wildlife and conservation? Because this wasn't something that had tried, been tried then, uh, at least on a, you know, on a, on a mass scale. So, so, I mean, uh, there were cartoonists and there were artists who have, uh, you know, touched upon conservation, but not as, uh, something, uh, you know, trying to make it mainstream. This is what I try to do with my work. So, so yeah, that's how, uh, the inspiration behind the series goes. Uh, now that you mentioned that uh, you know you don't have a, you're not a scientist and all that and uh, uh, the jargons, um, uh, one of the uh, major problems uh, or uh, major informa- misinformation that happens is uh, through uh, we have a lot of these uh, fake news uh, issues, especially in uh, in wildlife. Like you know you have uh, you know they post a photograph with a snake having two heads. And the next day, the same person <laughs> posts a photograph with a snake with ten heads, right? So now well, probably like you... two rat snakes fighting, they call it, uh, you know, monsoon romance and things like that. <laughs> so, uh, so what happens is like, at least like, uh, for people, the, for the, for... For people who have graduated and who are able to research and find out whether it is true or not, it's yeah. fine. But we do have elders at home uh, who now yeah. sta- started embracing so- social media like WhatsApp and Facebook and all that. Yeah, and yeah. they kind of share these things. So what I wanted That's to right. know is, uh, you know, how one can find uh, authentic information on uh, wildlife. Like what are the resources or uh, who are the people whom you follow? to find the authentic authenticity of that news or that particular article 
Well, first I must praise the the scope of imagination of our elders and you know people who make WhatsApp forwards. I mean, it's all all very imaginative and fun, but at the same time, it's very dangerous uh, because you know it completely ruins the reputation of a, of the creature they are trying to portray. Uh, I I have uh, you know I have uh, family groups on WhatsApp as well, and a lot of you know this kind of uh, misinformation is peddled on those. And thankfully, I have my cartoons to counter you know <laughs> this kind of uh, misinformation. Uh, I have had the very good fortune of working with uh, you know some of the best scientists and some of the best ecologists, uh, people in publishing, people in the media in India, and I think the the people I work with are really you know reliable and experienced sources of uh, knowledge and information. So okay, so I think uh, the Nature Conservation Foundation again, which is very close to Coimbatore, uh, one of their uh, initiatives is based in Valpara, uh, and and they they are doing various uh, other kinds of projects in India, uh, all around India. So they are among the best. Uh, Conservation organizations based in India right now, and uh, the kind of work they are doing is very exemplary, very informative as well. They put actively put out blogs and articles in different kinds of media that uh, try to communicate communicate their science and their uh, initiatives. So one is the Nature Conservation Foundation. Uh, then there are people like uh, well, uh, because you mentioned snakes, I have to mention Romulus Whitaker, who's a legendary. Herpetologist and who also won the Parmeshree last year. Uh, I have had the very good fortune of having collaborated with him on a book on on snakes. It's called Making Friends with Snakes, and uh, it's uh, yeah, that's right. It's available on Pratham Books' uh, Story Viewer. It's also going to come out as a print comic book next year. So uh, this is a comic book for kids that we developed, uh, uh, specially keeping kids. Uh, kids from rural areas and kids who uh, you know inhabit uh, areas where there is cultivation and there are, there are agricultural fields because these kind, kinds of uh, kids are most likely to encounter snakes actually and you know uh, uh, they need to know how to identify snakes they need to know what to do in case they get bitten so so yeah the a very simple rule that you know Romulus taught me is is that uh, if you are keeping a distance from a snake, the snake will respect its distance from you. So it's really as simple as that. And uh, things like these, you know, these interactions are very important to to break uh, the kind of notion that uh, you know India generally has for something like snakes. So I've had the very good fortune of having worked with Romulus Whitaker on on this project, and I've learned a lot from him. I've learned a lot. Drawing about snakes, and I hope uh, that the children who read this particular book will also learn a lot about snakes. Then I've worked with organizations like uh, NCF. I've done several projects with NCF. But I've also uh, my my recent book has been published by BNSS. It's called Bird Business, and it's about uh, 100 Indian birds and what they do in their daily life. Uh, and again, BNSS has been a very uh, you know. I have a brilliant source of information, especially on birds and you know uh, things like bird migration. We all know that a lot of birds visit India, but where do they come from and where do they go? So you know there are lots of studies done by the organization on on birds by ringing them and and uh, 
not getting the ring words and you know comparing scientific data so uh, so yeah there there is a lot of uh, uh, great work happening in india <clears throat> in science and i think it's a great uh, time to be a uh, creative science communicator uh coming back to the story i mean since you mentioned about uh, getting friends with snakes uh i happen to read it read the english version uh, do we also have uh, questions in uh, regional language versions oh yeah, yeah. so uh, that's exactly why we uh, we teamed up with pratham books because pratham books has a an in-house team that translates books into various local languages so as of now i think the plan is to release it in nine uh, different indian languages by next year you can expect this in january or february okay okay um, i mean talking about bird business uh, like uh, you know yeah. in our circle we we were having a discussion uh, for birders for uh, at least for someone who who's beginning to uh, get into birding like all these bird guides are like very yeah. intimidating okay i mean at least for me personally it has been like very uh, intimidating like uh, you know distinguishing uh, between uh, swift and swallow all that i know is they look like boomerang okay so now now uh, bird business actually has broken that barrier like uh, you know uh, communicating it through cartoons it it has actually helped uh, uh, some of us was this the reason behind uh, coming up with a book like bird business yeah absolutely i mean i, I completely share uh, your feeling about field guides and how you know birding can be so intimidating for a beginner i still don't know how to distinguish between you know one species of warbler from another uh the waders these waders are a nightmare crickets are a nightmare for me so you know uh, but what i do enjoy uh, more than just identifying birds and telling them about what i really enjoy is, is their ecology and the way you know every species interacts with its environment and i think the most fascinating thing about birds uh, you know which, which is something that stands out is that even though there are you know so many species within a genus uh, every single species has a different way of a, a very peculiar way of interacting with its environment and you know exploiting the resources that is available to it and this is not something i have noticed in other creatures like say for example two species of otters uh, they yes they you know they they, they may inhabit uh, different kinds of habitat but they are essentially more or less similar in behavior but birds have extremely diverse behavior and that is what i wanted to bring out with this book so you will see you know each each of the 100 species that, that have gone into the book have, have extremely peculiar uh ways of going about their lives and uh and yeah i think that's what i want really wanted to bring out and make a reader understand that you know it's it's incredibly diverse the world of birds and uh, and that you know bird it is it's not just about watching birds and you know trying to tell them from one, one another it's also about the joy of observing a certain creature right right yeah correct yeah wonderful uh, what do you think is the uh, biggest uh, hurdle when it comes to uh, conservation and conservation communication and conservation uh, education because i mean there are a lot of uh, uh, you know conservationists talking about it uh, in social media we have a lot of conferences happening and all that but then uh, only when it happens in a large scale uh, i mean personally that is what i uh, believe only when it happens in a large scale uh, is when uh, you know the impact or uh, you know uh, betterment actually happens for example 
let's 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 consider the plastics right so now kerala has banned uh, plastics tamil nadu has uh, banned plastics so obviously none of the public is going to uh, use it so likewise with respect to conservation uh, do you think uh, you know what are the hurdles one thing another thing is like how, how, how much influence do policy makers uh, uh, you know have on this well i think as far as uh, the history of conservation is concerned india has been faring a lot better than most other countries have visited especially western countries because you know we have a lot of countries in the west you know gone about wildlife conservation without actually having much wildlife in them in, in these countries but india has you know actually preserved megafauna and to have the kind of diversity we do in this day and age is a big thing but having said that uh, india can do a lot lot better uh, you know in in terms of the enforcement of, of conservation laws we have a, a tremendous constitution we have a great uh, uh, article in it was the wildlife protection act and i think it's it's exemplary for a lot of other countries to follow as well but the uh, what we lack is enforcement what we historically lack as well is enforcement and you know we can really really uh, do a lot of work on that and of course enforcement happens only by awareness and you know awareness comes uh, with people taking taking the initiative upon themselves so uh, like i said jargon is a very big inhibitor of you know of information passing from one source to another so i think uh, it is up to people like you and me who, who try to communicate ideas to you know simplify things that are being put out there uh, see again uh, people uh, uh, people easily understand the issue of plastic because it directly affects their lives but they may not see the connection when we are speaking about a certain wild animal animal for example dragonflies take dragonfly for example they uh, now you and i might might not know uh, instantly that you know we we are probably not suffering from malaria today because a, a huge uh, population of dragonflies visits india right after the monsoon so you know with the we may not instantly connect with that we know that dragonflies may perform a, an ecosystem service but we may not instantly connect with the fact that it is directly related to our lives so we need to communicate these ideas for the, to people so that they build that connection with us so that, this is this is what i feel is the has been missing from you know information historically and correct correct have you ever been uh, criticized for your work with respect to the authentic yeah authenticity of the information i'm saying so oh, authenticity of the information um i don't think so i i mean there have been a few cases where uh, you know i've drawn a comic about a certain uh, aspect of animal behavior and then uh, without realizing that there has been a scientific advancement that and research that has proven it wrong already so there have been one or two cases uh, like that but these scientists have been polite enough and kind enough to reach out to me and explain to me what's wrong with my comic and uh, you know uh, be willing to work with me to develop and develop it into something more correct so i don't think it's the scientists that uh, you know object to uh, anything that has been portrayed wrongly uh, most of the negative remarks come when uh, my my comics tend to get political sometimes so uh yeah i mean since you mentioned uh, 
uh, what are the other yeah. areas when your comics are actually uh, criticized or people threatening you so that happens almost every day uh, <laughs> i i tend to draw a lot of comics which uh, overlap with political issues because you know you can't really separate politics and the environment in a country like india and uh, i tend to draw a lot of comics that are perceived to be anti modi but i don't think they are anti modi they are pro india so you know a lot of people don't realize it. so uh, yeah uh, i mean i have no complaints about the popularity of lavender movie it's a great thing for an indian prime minister prime minister to have but uh, a lot of um the misinformation that his political party peddles is you know is is, is not a good thing for uh, the natural the resources and the the, the environmental uh, conservation in india so uh, you know i i feel that people need to view and weigh uh, politics with a very uh, neutral point of view and see what's see and try to understand what's right and wrong for them right right absolutely uh, so rohan how can adoption actually help in uh, conversation i'm i'm somebody who is quite against the idea of procreation because i think uh, in terms of human population we the, our planet has reached its tipping point long back a lot of people don't realize that and for a, a grossly overpopulated country like india there isn't much talk about these matters so this is something very alarming and this is something that in my opinion needs to change a lot of people a whole lot of people don't agree with me and i, I get a lot of trolling and uh, you know negativity because i speak about population so much uh, but i think uh, we really got to do something about population at the earliest and the best thing we can we can do is you know adopt children uh, although i don't foresee myself doing uh you know adopting a child uh i'm i'm certainly sure of the fact that i'm never going to have any of my own so so you know i think is the best thing that uh, one can do as a responsible citizen to adopt a child and not have you know not to create by yourself so as to minimize uh you know pressure on on the environmental resources that uh, you know we use per capita and uh, uh what i have done is adopted two stray dogs instead very recently it's been a year and uh, i think that's you know we have uh, an ongoing problem which is you know uh, stray dogs attacking wild animals in and around national parks and uh, although there is a lot of talk about you know managing the situation and there is a lot of debate between uh, animal rights people and wildlife conservationists about you know culling stray dogs and etc now i am all for management of the issue but what we as you know uh, in our individual capacity can do is maybe give home to a homeless animal that is probably a problem species for for wild animals i know and you know that stray dogs and stray cats uh kill all kinds of animals birds uh urban wildlife and they pose a threat to these creatures so the best you and i can do is probably of course it, it also depends on the, the kind of resources available to us so if you and i are in a position to adopt a stray animal that's the best thing you can do in an individual capacity for the animal right i mean i never saw it uh, this way like uh, 
we now get into the next section of the podcast where we have curated a few questions uh, asked by your fans here in Coimbatore um i i'm very pleased to know that i have fans in Coimbatore i didn't expect people there to know about my work at all yeah now that you now now you know that we we i mean we have a lot of people here uh, who do follow your work um so this is this question is from prashant um so prashant uh, actually leads uh, water body monitoring where we do bird bird uh, senses and uh, uh, yeah what he is asking is like how do you uh, bring together sarcasm animal behavior and uh, story altogether in every every piece that you make and uh, he also wants to know the thought process behind uh, producing your uh, cartoons sarcasm is something that comes naturally to me because i'm a jerk <laughs> uh, i uh, the other thing animal behavior uh, see the inspiration behind cartoons you know it can come from a varied amount of sources so it could be a, an animal that i've actually seen on a nature nature trail or it could be something i've recently read about in a book or watched a documentary about it or maybe read about it online in in an article or you know a lot of times i tend to draw uh, about creatures that have recently been discovered i've done a lot of uh, comics on frogs this year that have you know recently been been discussed by scientists and then uh, so so yeah i i uh, gather information from a wide variety of sources and just pick whatever fascinates me the most or whatever is current and whatever you know in my view needs the urgent attention of my my reader so so yeah, uh, the first step is to educate myself about the animal through and through i i I gather all kinds of information I can do up you know homework and my background research on the animal uh, and then only then do I draw about it so so yeah, I hope that answers Prashant's question okay uh, the process uh, of producing a, a cartoon like do you do the scripting first or like you do you directly draw and uh, I I actually start and I'm, I'm I think very visually I can't you know just go about writing so uh, i have to have some kind of a visual in front of me to uh, to script out a comic so i begin by you know maybe drawing the backdrop and then drawing the creature where i want to place the creature against a background and then trying to come up with uh, a funny script that that will go with the visual so for me i know a lot of other artists work differently the script comes first usually but for me uh, the thinking is very visual so i i always begin with the visual and then do the writing uh, and of course uh, you know most of my work begins on paper essentially but uh, the, the final output that you see is usually colored digitally so yeah, it's a mix and match of various uh, sources and various procedures and yeah various media as well okay okay uh, the next question is from vivek um so i mean again his his background is in engineering and then he's also uh, into birding um so vivek asks as an artist which bird was hard for you to portray and uh, he also wants to know the tools that you use for your uh, illustrations okay okay which bird was hard for me to portray well uh, i'll give you an example from the book bird business because i distinctly remember this one there is a a very elaborate sequence of rosy starlings uh, doing a murmuration meaning that they uh, 
they move in unison in a flock of you know hundreds of thousands of starlings they, and they move in unison and it almost seems like the the flock itself is an organism so it's one of the most vibrant and dynamic things i've seen in nature and to you know to try to reproduce that in a static illustration was a really really big challenge so uh, that was one sequence from the book that took the longest amount of time it took about 10 drafts to get it right so so yeah i think the starlings was one of the most difficult birds for me to draw uh about my plus plus is uh, the tools uh, it's nothing very elaborate i just uh, i have a very basic uh, pen, uh, graphic tablet it's a design tool that enables you to uh, digitize whatever you're drawing onto the computer and then for coloring my illustrations i use uh, again the most basic software adobe photoshop yeah okay next question is like why why does uh, swati think uh, rohan is a beef cake <laughs> <laughs> about the turtle comic uh i i have a bunch of uh, very good friends who are uh, you know into uh, who are my seniors in the field of conservation and uh, biology so one of them happens to be uh, a tv presenter uh, she's uh, she's worked for ndtv and she's one of the pioneers of you know uh, environmental uh, reporting in in india swati tyagarajan and i have another friend called neena subramani who is a artist and a graphic designer and swati and neena are very good friends uh, and you know there it was their chemistry and their rapport that uh, inspired the con- conversation between the turtles in the comic uh, they don't really i don't know if they think of uh, rohan as a beefcake or anything uh, visually attractive i just uh, put that as a a tidbit of gossip between the two uh i know i'm really embarrassing myself with this but i hope they don't mind talking talking about about them like can you explain that uh, comic coming yes sure sure so it's the cartoon is about uh two nesting female turtles that have come to a shore and uh the fact that it is trying to portray is that uh the turtle mothers whenever they they are laying eggs or whenever they they come into nest they come to the exact same spot year after year where they first bred so i always wondered what you know what uh, pushes them to go to that very same spot all their lives to lay eggs and this was the best reason i could come up with because you know they are moms and they have a lot of gossip to catch up on with each other so <laughs> Yes, yeah, that's that's for the cartoon. Okay. So, uh, yeah, that's with the uh, fan uh, questions. So, we did a science conference for uh, children. Um, so, where we invited scientists and uh, professionals uh, across India, and they came and shared their uh, experiences and uh, made them to take this path and you uh, know what inspired them and all that. And then the, there used to be a Q and A and stuff like that. Um, so, one of the uh speakers was a wildlife uh, artist and uh, yeah so uh, i mean um, you might have heard about zoo outreach organization yes, sir. yeah yeah so uh, uh, priyanka she's a uh, she does all the cover uh, design for uh, journal of uh, threatened parks okay. and uh, yeah she was one of the uh, speakers and uh, the uh, the question from a parent was like her child is very much interested in art and very much interested in wildlife so 
naturally wildlife artist this this profession would be suitable but she is again scared uh, as to if the child would be able to survive sustain herself financially very good and that forget sustaining survival it still seems to be a problem for artists yeah so uh, so the same question i would like like an answer from you since uh, you ha- you are making a living out of uh, what do you really uh, love well i'm trying to win <laughs> uh see that's not just in wildlife it's, it's the case with any uh, kind of art and uh, i think uh, the same rule applies to to every kind of art uh, no matter uh, you know what your background is if you're taking something like this up you really have to be perseverant and you know you really have to be uh, very patient for things to work out and uh focus on the quality of the work that you're producing i mean for every piece of art say, uh, i i will speak about cartoons because i'm a cartoonist for every cartoon i'm making i you know i should have read a hundred more cartoons to you know know where i stand and what what i write and what works with an audience and what doesn't so you really have to uh ensure that your work is up to the mark for you know for it to be published by the uh, different uh aspects of the media so so yeah i think uh, you really have to do your research about what works what doesn't uh what is a good cartoon what is a bad cartoon and you know you got to know these things and once you are there it is just about you know daily practice pushing yourself and of course it leads you to also be you know also have some loose nuts in the head because if you are just going to think rationally art is not going to work out for you you've got to learn to daydream you've got to learn to you know waste your time doing nothing and you know feel good about it so these are some essentials that you need to have as an artist uh having said that it you know uh, we also have a lot of avenues uh to our disposal today with the internet being such a big part of our lives and you know, uh, for an artist uh, of any kind um which which part of the country or which part of the world he is based in is not a problem anymore so i think that's a very big advantage we have over artists that started out maybe 10 or 20 years before us so uh, so yeah it's all about you know exploiting and tapping the right avenues at the right time and uh, you know with the internet there is the assurance that if one thing does not work out for you there is another avenue or another platform waiting for you so i think the the potential for uh exploring what kind of platforms work out for you is is quite endless today so as long as your art is you know good and tasteful there there is a lot of scope that uh, so you know that you can do with it okay all right uh, on the same uh, context in the same conference uh, science science conference we called it uh, psycon uh, india we also had uh, two kids uh who are doing some work on science communication so these kids come to mango education and uh, one uh, kid he is uh, 12 13 years old and uh, his name is uh, rishi what he does is like like what do you do it uh, with respect to uh, wildlife conservation he is trying to explain um, science concepts Spe- specifically he is interested in astronomy astronomy and physics so he 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 has a small hp uh, uh, you know tabcom laptop so he does the science communication through that he did one of uh, a session on that so basically he took up a concept like gravity or uh, snell's law something like that and then he just uh, uh, 
shows that in um, and uh, there's another girl her name is uh, mithun minakshi what she does is like uh, she does uh, science memes so yeah so basically she takes up all these uh, rajinikanth dialogues and photos and then uh, you know uh and then and then uh, uh, you know explains the science concept through that uh, in fact all these kids like uh, she has an instagram account and with, with some photos and followers and all that so uh, i'm pretty sure these kids would be listening to this podcast uh, what what kind of uh, yeah 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 they will they will <laughs> actually uh, i'm i'm wondering if there, there is any way i could listen to their podcast because they have way ahead of me in science communication already and you know physics So this day gives me nightmares. So I would love to actually meet these kids and uh, look up their art. Yeah, sure, definitely. Uh, yeah, on that context, like, do you have any wise words? I don't think any of the words I've spoken yet on this podcast can be called wise. But I, <laughs> like I said, you know, I, I mean, I really wish that I could uh, interact with these kids because uh, what they're doing is way ahead of uh, what even I have come up with because. you know i i i i can't make memes and memes are a rage today and if uh, if uh, minakshi has already figured out how to communicate science using memes i think she is doing great already maybe you know with age uh, that sense of refinement a sense of uh, uh, you know how to frame uh, words the right way what to include what to exclude that will uh, really develop with is and the more reading that she takes up but i think uh, you know uh, because people younger than myself today have uh, have access to so many means you know they know how to use technology how, how to use the internet and uh, you know finding quick fixes to solutions i think that's uh, something that the younger generation is really blessed with so so yeah i think uh, once you combine everything and you know work towards what you're passionate about you know you found the trick awesome awesome i think they'll be very happy to uh, hear this uh, yeah I, i let's see like in in case you come come out to coimbatore i think we can all uh, catch up yeah again uh, another set of listeners of our podcast are uh, educators and budding budding educators so what would you advise uh, nature educators Uh, advice for a nature educator um i think uh, what what we uh, what nature educators should be doing today is seek better collaboration between uh, different kinds of people like uh, for example i won't call myself a nature educator but i do try to put out information through cartoons and you know this is something that i cannot always do alone uh, because I do not have access to scientific research. I do not have access to data. What I can do is gather data from scientists and then give it a creative angle. So essentially, most of my work is collaboration. Awesome, awesome, beautifully put. Thank you. Uh, so uh, this one more section. Uh, it is called Explain Camp Five. Explain Camp Five. What is evolution? So two fish have a fight. Uh, they're in a bad marriage, and one just decides to walk out of the sea, and it develops into a reptile. And you know the similar procedure happens in successive classes of organisms, and that leads to a more developed creature. So 
the point is that marital discord is very important for evolution to happen <laughs> fantastic <laughs> i mean i i didn't really expect such kind of explanation it is really nice really nice that brings us to the end of a fantastic episode of hello educator you can follow rohan's work on instagram the handle is green underscore humor green the color underscore h u m o u r you can check his comic on how to make friends with snakes uh, on uh, pratham story weaver it is a brilliant one i definitely recommend it to all of you if you are into birding i strongly recommend rohan's bird business uh, it's a, it's a beautiful a uh, book with illustrations of 100 uh, indian birds it's uh, pretty much available on all the major online stores i'll uh, leave all the links on the show notes as always if you have any comments or suggestions reach out to us on mango education's uh, social media channels if you like this episode give us a review on anchor apple podcast or stitcher or wherever you are listening to thanks again for listening to the show hope you enjoyed I will catch you on the next one.